I am Simeon Scott, and this is Analytical Fanboys Discuss Spawn Year. and welcome to the Analytical Fanboys Podcast. I am Simeon Scott, and I am joined, as always, by the intrinsic Chris Gaston. How are you doing, sir? Uh, deep, dark, depressing, and another D word. All right. I can't believe we're fucking talking about Spawn and you didn't think to say demonic. Because I'm a good... I can't even finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, today on the show, we are going to be talking about Spawn Year, which is a YouTube series created by the channel Geekvolution, um, and it is essentially a their first story-focused thing. They've done little spurts of story stuff here and there before, just kind of accidentally building up their own mythology, and I'll get into that later, uh, but uh, this was them going... Uh, we, ha- we have an idea for a project. Let's do something really cool and special here. Let's do a video every day for a year where we review something Spawn-related because that's the main guy on our channels. One of his favorite things. And uh, then it got really out of control and took almost two and a half years to make. Uh. And uh, now we're going to talk about it. Um but, uh, Chris, this was your first time viewing it, so uh, why don't you tell me a little bit of what you thought about Spawn Year? Because uh, I've, I've been a big fan of these guys for years. Obviously, my opinion is going to be a little bit colored, but I want to know what you thought. Well, of course your opinion is going to be colored. They fucking mentioned you. Yeah, I, 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 I always forget about that when watching, because this was my third time watching the show all the way through. And it always catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, hey, that's that's me. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I, st- I tried to start watching the series uh, as they produced it, which was the daily videos. I binged it. I got to, like, episode 70 or so, and then I went, fuck this shit. And yeah. watch And watched the collective movie storyline version of it. Which it, it it's still it's very obviously a tr- a truncated version. Which I, there's something interesting that we could you could t- uh pick out from these two things, but uh it's kind of neat. It's very interesting to see this take on Spawn because I always Spawn is in the background and realizing oh this is why Spawn isn't talked about anymore is just fascinating. Yeah. Um. And it, it was a very interesting eye-opening thing for me because I I knew literally nothing about Spawn going into this except it was a ninety it was the premier nineties image book and a lot of nineties kids are nostalgic for it. Yeah, like if I want to talk if I want to be reading an early image book, I I just pick up Savage Dragon because that that's actually interesting. Because mm. I have the first issue of Savage Dragon. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice and floppy. Yeah. yeah. 
But I, I actually didn't know Savage Dragon was a thing until Spawn Year. Because the thing is, like, there's a bunch of people who have been on Geekvolution, and at the time, they all thought, they all were like, oh, there's no way Cap's going to be able to pull this off. And they all did their own parody, like, pilots for things. And one of the ones that kept getting to- tossed around by a guy called Duke of Loops was he wanted somebody to make Savage Dragon Solstice. Oh... <laughs> uh... No, the first Savage Dragons book's interesting. Mm. I'd say for the majority of the Spawn storyline, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's a big part of, like, why this is hard. Because that, that's really the main thing, I think, um, after this viewing I want to talk about. With Spawn Year is, like... Spawn Year is nearly impossible to binge because we tried to do it for this show. You got 70 episodes in. I got 50 episodes in. Um, Oof. It's pro- just... Here's the thing. I want to say this. I will finish binging it just at a better pace. Yeah, because we were like, okay, we have two weeks until we need to record the episode. Go. And it it doesn't really work for that. It's... um. It's it's something that the way it's made is very much meant to be like it's advertised. You watch it once a day. This is like a, a five to eight minute video that you sit down and you watch while you're having your lunch. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it is. There's a lot more to it than that, but at at its core, that's how I think this series is meant to be viewed and. If you don't do it that way, you try to go through a whole lot at once, you kind of end up feeling like the main character. You're going through a really monotonous version of Hell. And it's partially, I think, because of what he is reviewing is so monotonous that he they can't spice it up. Yeah. Like, like they're, like... You, we can't talk about this web series without actually talking about the Spawn comic. Because he's at, like, 50, pay, 50 issues and going, like, and now something happens. And it's like, shit, people read this? Yeah. How? Mm-hmm. How was this so popular? It's like, I, I remember when he got in episode 12 where he's like, it's been a whole year in, the, in publication time. And I've still got a huge amount of way to go. But still, we're 12 issues into this comic, and Spawn's fucking origin isn't over yet. What the hell? Yeah, like, Spawn seems like the kind of thing that once it's over, someone just needs to do a complete reboot and truncated version of it, and it might be more interesting. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Like, as we're recording this podcast, Spawn is coming up on its 300th issue. Oh, God. Literally, I looked at that, and I was like... Oh, cool. The book's going to be good for two issues. (laughs) And the thing is, all my knowledge of Spawn comes from Spawn Year. So I have no idea if if anything has changed in the book in between where Cap leaves off at the end of this and where we are in the comic now. All I know is McFarlane is still writing. I mean, if it keeps him engaged, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt to have like a little dumb pet project. Yeah. Uh but 
a lot of a lot of the things it's just like that monotonous leeches into the show itself which yeah. i think is interesting because watching the regular web series the week to week version the day to day week to week that version of it it really drives home how this comic feels mm-hmm. it's atmospheric but it's slow and you have the same thing to say for like five issues straight. Yeah, like, and and that's what the show feels like. And he and he makes comment of that, and it's like, I am now reviewing this issue. The same thing happens again. He's in the alley. There's a cybernetic gorilla. Does nothing. Mm-hmm. And if anything changes, the way it changes is it just gets more frustrating. Um, and. The only time you really get a reprieve from that is when he either does a mini or he does a spawn thing in other media. And and that's why the reviews in the movie version is two comic reviews, a video game review, a review of the spawn movie, and I think that's it, but there was the also board game. A, Huh? Board game. Oh yeah, the board game is in the movie. And there was also a thing where um there was a day where he reviewed all comics that came with spawn action figures. There was a day where he, he uh, or there was a string of days where he reviewed uh, the two seasons of the spawn animated series episode by episode. Um, like he touches on everything. And another thing that's in the movie, I just remember is a documentary that was done about Todd McFarlane in the mid two thousands. I want to say, uh, I think it was like 2003. Hmm. And, and but, like he he tries to reach out and grab as much variety as he possibly can while still covering a whole fucking lot of the main spawn book. And here and here's the thing the, the the general web series I think is a review of the spawn comic, but the movie is much more of a dissection of the multimedia experience of spawn, kind of showing how just inundated this time period was with the character of Spawn. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's but, also a, a really good character piece, too, I think. We'll get into that a little more in a minute, but I, I think this does have a really solid story to it. Yeah. But I'm just talking to, like, analytical. Like, that's a very distinct flavor. Like, the web series is very much, here's Spawn, here's everything that can possibly be wrong with the story being explained and here's spawn again da, 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 da. oh and here's a little diversion the yeah. movie really makes it feel much more like no this is a very distinct thing why was spawn big how inundated were we with multimedia properties and ending that little section with the tom mcfarland documentary really kind of shows his mindset and paints a frame for the entire multimedia experience that he's trying to build up a thing in order to support others. He's becoming, he's becoming exactly what he hated. So he can, so he can stop others having to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. He he goes into the empire business. So others can run their little indie promotions. Yeah. He becomes he becomes WWE so hunters can make NXT. Yes, that's it exactly. It all goes back to wrestling with us. I mean, what else would you expect at this point? Exactly. 
Might as well just fucking rebrand the channel to MMWP. <laughs> I mean, Russell talks about to die thanks to Article 13, so you know we could we could move in on that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, love, if you're listening, I love you, Russell Talk guys. You support Russell Talk and mm-hmm. Screen Stalker. They're watching. Yes. <sighs> they're a bunch of. They're just a bunch of fucking lads with their beer 52 that we can't get in America. Yeah. Because it's only for UK watchers. So, um, when we talked about Database Rangers Power Reviews, you were really into the production of that show. How did you feel about all the the production that went into Spawn Year? They took a lot of effort with the amount of budget they had, and sometimes they reached for the stars and got halfway to the moon. Mm. But not in a bad way, but more in a... Oh, that's that's quaint. Yeah, like the most backhanded way of describing it, but it's very much like. And I think the it's a really good looking fan film. At the end of the day, that's what this is. And and here's the biggest thing: the end epilogue basically gives them the best out ever for the entire series. Is oh no, the reason why it looked crappy was because it was done by a low budget film production crew after the facts and it's like yeah you just and that's get... also why it took forever to come out yeah like that is like a beautiful little oh cool you had your cake and ate it too and i'm not pissed at it beautiful but like there were like there were some episodes where they were filming day for night or doing something like that and there was a very weird gray overlay to the whole thing yeah and like they got better it got it got to the point where they figured out okay this is how we do this shit and it looks better like mid like the 60s 70s episodes in the graveyard where they figured out oh wait a second we can just turn off all lights and just have a single point of view light and it looks good it's like fuck yeah Mm -hmm. and uh they did an okay job making the alley Here's the crazy thing. Um, all of the, the stuff that comes later, all of that production value and the outs they came up with, that was all thought of along the way. The original concept for the series, um, I found out through talking to Cap a couple times, um, be- because he, I wouldn't call him like a close friend, but he's a guy who I have spoken with on more than one occasion. Um, An acquaintance. Yes, that is the, exactly the correct term. Um, he says so, so, so there is one. The original, the original concept was just going to be Cap in the graveyard all fucking year round because obviously they were trying to keep it very small scale, very easy to produce an episode a day, and then their imaginations just ran away with them, and it ended up taking a long ass time to complete. But here's the thing: they still kept the sets relatively sane. They didn't mm-hmm. go. Oh, we're doing this now, and it's like, no, it's it's relatively calm, it's relatively tame. Um, like, the thing, the the part of the story where he becomes Spawn, that that entirely happened just because one of their fans contacted them and said, "Hey, I'm really, I'm a cosplay guy, and I'm working on a Spawn suit because I've been enjoying Spawn Year so much. You guys want me to make you one?" And they were just like, "Of oh, yes, please. Yeah. 
I mean, it looked dope. It looked pretty and, solid. I would have, and this is just a nitpicky thing because I love how big the collars on Spawn is because it's so dumb. It would have been cool to see it like stick up, but like, yeah. And that guy also ended up playing stocky Frank Miller Batman and the police officer in the end because he's a police officer in real life. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like uh, the whole bit. In the comic shop, besides the breaking of the window, they could have done that better. Yeah. Because I would have just had a shot of Cap running at the window and then jump cut to him falling into the store. Or you could just have a camera pointing into the store and you just throw glass through the camera. Yeah. (laughs) Like, do a sound effect. Mm -hmm. There's ways you can hide it. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's that's uh, probably the only effect I would call outright bad in the entire series. Oh yeah, no, and it's all it's a lot of old school special effects like uh, the fading uh, and masking. Whenever they like went from, whenever he was thinking of the thing, and he got like a bottle of Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. or when Doomsman like, shows up as like a hologram projection thing, a ghoulish. Yeah. But like, it's very it's. I don't want to say it is simple, but like that's all you need. That's all I need. Yeah. And uh, since I brought him up now, what did you think of Doomspence and the whole like plot and meat of this story? Essentially, it's. I hate. I goddamn it. It feels such like a, feels like such a backass compliment. It feels like an internet web series story, which is what it is, which is good. But the best way to put that into frame is I'm like, when you tell a comic book story, you tell a comic book story. When you make a movie, you make a movie. When you make a web series, you make a web series. Yeah. Which, that's the thing. It's it's a web series story. It's fun, it's goofy, it's low budget because a couple of friends wanted to make something fun, unique, and creative. And... That's the kind of story you need to get with this kind of format. It's fun. It's goofy. They talk about Coke and Pepsi as if they're heaven and hell. They use yeah. their child in it because they wanted to involve them in something creative and give them a fun memory of working with their dad later in life. Mm-hmm. And that kid's been on the channel. Jason, I should, I should say his name because I've met their child. Jason has been on the channel a whole bunch of times now. He... Like, it's one of those weird things where I've sort of pseudo-watched this kid grow up. He's like, I want to say he's six now? And he was, he, was, he was like a toddler at the time they were making this. Yeah, but like, it, it, it very distinctly feels of that nature, which is not a bad thing. It's just very much... It is what it is. Yeah. It's amateur. It's amateur writing. It's amateur acting. It's, and I don't. I don't mean amateur as in oh, it's amateur. No, it's they're non-professional. They didn't go to school. They don't. They aren't getting paid for this. Actually, um, Cap is an English major. They didn't go to acting school. Okay, I wasn't. I wasn't sure what exactly you meant by that, and I was just like, he could end up listening to this, so I want to bring that up real quick. <laughs> Remember. I'm a guy who went to technical theater school, so I'm thinking of oh, art school as that that they yeah. didn't go, they didn't take 
they didn't take formal acting lessons. Yes. They're and like, I do, and I do agree. Some Captain Logan things. and Dooms and uh, Captain Logan and Doomsments, they were great because they knew their character. They were playing a slightly caricature, uh, like over the top, which is what you want for this fun, goofy, campy, comic booky kind of thing. Um, and the one other, one to two other lines, it was like, oh, that's not a bad acting performance, and not even a bad read. It's just like. Yeah, no, you haven't acted for a long time. Yeah. Like, the best way I can put it. Like... And I don't think there's any, like, outright bad performances in this. It's just, like, Cap and Vince are pretty solid. Everyone else is just okay. And and it's just like, that's fine. Yeah. That is fine. Like, that's like... I don't mean fine as in, oh, it's fine. It's... I, it feels such. I fe- it feels like such a backhanded compliment or like an insult to what they did because they fucking made three hundred and sixty five some odd videos, all varying in length and being very intense, analytical, thought out things, and, and that also takes a lot. Look effort. like they take a good bit of production work to put together. Oh yeah, and like watching it, I could see where not cut corners, but where they save time and were economical. Like, they probably recorded, what, 10, 20 Doomsfence, this is Spawnier, and this is Dayblink, in just yeah. a row. I'm I'm they, sure, I would not be surprised if they did all of those in, like, two sittings. And, like, he probably read 10 comics at a time, wrote it all down in the book, filmed himself for, like, two hours writing different things with the different comics... That's why he never talks on camera because he can always, time-wise, it's easier to record the rec- uh, the voice and film the thing separate. Mm-hmm. Like, and the 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 scrolling over the the book probably caught, saved him a bunch of time because that's an easy thing to do. Yeah, like I can see where they took the effort to save time and be economical, but still, there's only so economical you can be. An hour is still an hour. Yeah, and you also have to keep in mind they were producing other videos at the same time as this. Exactly. Like, it's... There's a lot of effort put in to a very... It's the kind of project that they said that it feels like they just wanted to make it for themselves, to prove it to themselves, to just have fun with it, to just go like, you know what, I just want to do this damned who watches it damned who don't and it has a little audience do you want to know how the the idea for the show came about uh how so um cap is also a very big fan of the tick and he has he actually has a complete tick collection like he owns every bit of tick merchandise you can get your hands on as well as a few custom made things or at least he did at the time when he did Tick Month, which was a month where just all the videos on the channel were about different tick things. And it wasn't like this, it was just, hi, I'm Captain Logan, here's a tick thing I have, I'm going to talk about it for five minutes. Um, And then shortly after that, him and Dan Torrey were getting ready to record an episode of a show they do called The Comic Vault, which is basically a a podcast talking about specific comic book arcs. Um, And during their pre-show ramble much like ours um they were talking about tick month 
and Spawn came into the conversation somehow, and Dan just joked, Cap, you should do Spawn year next time. That would be hilarious. And he's like, yeah, that's, that'd be really dumb and funny. And then, like, he started thinking about it, and a, and a week later, he was like, damn, we've got to actually make this happen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dumb jokes turning into big things like Jeff Amerami. Yeah. It was yet to debut, so thank you for spoiling that. Who the fuck is going to know what Jeff Amerami is? True. Very true. They don't even know what the fuck I'm saying, bruh. Indeed. Um, <laughs> like... I'm just busting your balls. But but no, this is like... To, to me, like even though I like Power Reviews and another show a little more than this, this is like the consummate sort of internet show of the That Guy With The Glasses era and style. Like, even though... Cap has said many times he's not particularly influenced by those people. He doesn't actually watch a lot of internet content himself. This feels very much like a that guy with the glasses thing. And it feels like, okay, we've perfected that formula. We've done the best version of that kind of story we can do. It's time for the medium to move on. That's what this, this show was to me at the time. And going back and looking at it, it's just kind of a neat time capsule and remembering what that sort of stuff was like. Like, I watch this, and I think about stuff like Linkara and um, other channels of that ilk, and uh, it, it's it's a really neat piece that is sort of like one thing that doesn't that has a set beginning, middle, and end, and can let you understand what all that is like. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> And now internet video and reviewy kind of things are like just moved in a completely different direction mm-hmm. for like the main like like we were talking before we started recording about Scott the Waz. Like he and... is the con- he's probably like the best example of like that modern idea. He's analytical about a thing and he has a story, but like they're individualized stories in the episode. Yeah. And it's, it's just it's more kind... of a setup for jokes. It's kind of like Spawn Year is an action-adventure show, and there were a lot of action-adventure shows five years ago. But now the medium has moved on to stuff like Scott the Waz, which is basically just Looney Tunes. Yeah. Looney Tunes with heart and a brain and, like, shit. Like, Scott the Waz does that, relax Alax does it. Mm-hmm. Um... The Rock critic Crash Thompson does it. Um, like best guy ever. Best guy ever. Um, Jobby the Hong. Yeah. Like th- there are still people doing these review analytical bullshit things with a story attached, but it's very a different. It's a much different flavor. Hmm. It's like it's it's like going from Stan Lee to Je- uh, Grant Morrison. Indeed. That guy with the glasses, ABGN, these guys, they're they're Stan Lee. They have their place, and you can still go back and enjoy it. But now we're in Grant Morrison territory, and we're dealing with bullshit, and it's like, fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're in a more um, interesting and dynamic era now. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's not to discount this kind of stuff. It's just we're we've moved on. We've 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 we've. I don't want to say mature. Mature is the wrong word. We haven't grown up. It's more the tastes have just changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taste in this kind of stuff has changed, and now we're more interested in, okay, cool, you can tell a story and do a thing, alright, what are you going to do with the story? And then you have Jobby the Hong making an existential horror flick while reviewing a toy of Godzilla. Mm -hmm. You have Scott the Waz turning into a, a, a verbal Looney Tune. Going, that is a parody of average white guys. Yeah, and you have Relax Relax, who has a Cthulhu cat, a talking Ganon, uh, Ganondorf amiibo, and a virus from Doki Doki Literature Club in his computer. All the while, there's like weird bullshit, and it's just, it's goofy. It's goofy on purpose. You have, um, like, some other examples are, like, few who is basically um, a PBS show about toys that acknowledges how dumb and nerdy it is in a, in a very passionate, loving way. And then you have the rock critic, one of my favorite YouTubers, who's mm-hmm. basically a guy who reviews rock albums, who's a Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. That's the and then to talk about ourselves, you're basically doing analysis videos as a 90s children's cartoon. I am very Max Headroom. Yeah. You're, you're kind of in that sort of weird, wacky space. And I'm basically doing a wrestling storyline for YouTube. Yeah. Like, it, it, things that... We have taken the fertilizer that they laid out, and we have grown very dumb, weird plants. Indeed. <laughs> like... Like they took, like they took this whole idea, like, oh, let's do a web series, but with a very distinct aesthetic, like AVG and very distinct aesthetic. Oh, we're in a basement and it's weird and dingy. Uh, these guys' aesthetic is, oh, we're building, we're building lo-fi sets, but they get the point across really well. And it's kind of gothic, and we're trying to build the atmosphere of the comics. And now we have, like, your aesthetic, which is very much. Lo- very very much in-house backyard wrestling. Yeah. And then you have my aesthetic, which is, oh, we're in the 90s. Retro. I, you're watching TV, but it's on YouTube. Indeed. Like, we, like the aesthetic is, uh, the aesthetic has gone weird. And you've grown, like, Scott the Wise has his blue border weird thing this is like people that took in the little elements that these guys built up and went all right cool i'm gonna take this ball and run but they needed to set up this they needed to set up this play so and everybody else could take the ball and run if we can see for miles it is because we stand on the shoulders of giants yeah this took effort to make and it's it's a needed effort mm-hmm so yeah, uh, I think we can both agree Spawn Year is pretty solid, and it, it's it's a neat sort of time capsule piece at this point, and uh, it's worth checking out. Hell yeah. Just uh, don't try to watch a whole ton of it at once. 
But uh, you know what you can watch a whole ton of, or rather listen to a whole ton of, are some fucked up fruit facts with Chris. Caffeine serves the function of a pesticide in coffee beans. Huh. Really? That's interesting. Yep. We are the freaks of this planet. Because anything that is poison for everything else, we go, hmm, this tastes good. Did you see that fucking meme I posted last night? Uh, of the fucking, the fucking, uh, Pulp Fiction meme that's been going around? Yes. Uh, This is fucking cuisine. I'm gonna pull it up right now. Peppers. Produces a chemical that triggers pain response when eaten to deter animals from eating it. Humans. This is some serious gourmet shit. (laughs) Yeah, fuck, man. Uh, oh, this this chemical makes insects die whenever they ingest it? Fuck yeah, it makes me awake. <laughs> Alright, um, well, are you ready to find out what we're going to be talking about next week on Analytical Fanboys, Chris? Do we have to? We, we, we kind of do. Okay, cool. I mean, there might be a Hoobie and Reviewing or an MMWP next week, depending on how far out I have this scheduled. I actually forgot, but... Uh, well, when we're we recording should, we this, MMWP is premiering next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, fucking... I Fight Dragons the Near Future, suggested by you. Fuck yeah! This is one of my favorite bands. Fuck yeah! I, I have heard of I Fight Dragons, mainly for you, but also some other sources. I've not listened to a lick of their music, so this should be oh. interesting. Uh, it's chiptune pop punk. Oh fuck yeah! It take a Game Boy, take Green Day. Well, not Green Day. Take take a Game Boy, take Blink One Eighty Two, put them together, and you have Fight Fight Dragons. All right. Well, uh, that and be... oh, go ahead. And the near future is one half concept album. So the first half of the album tells a story, and the second half of the album is just a couple of extra songs. Cool. Well, so, that yeah. should be uh, interesting and fun, but. Uh... Until then, Chris, why don't you tell everybody who you are and where they can find the stuff you do? All right. You can find me on YouTube at Boingo Writer. You can find me on Twitter at Boingo underscore Writer. You can find me on Instagram at Boingo underscore Writer. You can find me on my Discord server. The link to that is in the description, Sean. You can find me on Modern Media, where I am the fucking host of MMWP and the co-host of this bullshit. And... Fuck. Cool. Um, I'm Simeon Sky. I uh, make tons and tons of different YouTube stuff. You can find all of that stuff by going to thatsimeonscott.com. It will take you to a playlist of every video I have ever made or contributed to in some way. Uh, but mainly, I make the Vacuuminator Saga, an ongoing uh, story-focused uh, series of videos about a guy trying to become a cool, popular, successful YouTube boy and constantly getting fucked with in multiple ways. Um, so you can find that by going to youtube.com slash the vacuuminator. You can follow me on the social medias. I am on Twitter at that Simeon Scott, and I am on Instagram at that Simeon Scott, but with underscores. But that is not all. This podcast is part of the Modular Media Network as well as everything else we do. 
Um, you can check us out by uh, following us on Twitter at The Modular Media. You can follow our subreddit, r slash modular media. And you can subscribe to this channel to get all of the episodes of our podcasts as they come out. You can also download MP3s of the podcast to listen on the go if you don't have YouTube Premium. In the video description, there is a link to a Google Drive folder. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So um, I am Simeon Scott. Uh, I want to congratulate you on the record for hitting a thousand subscribers. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, it was just on the Vacuuminator channel, but still, that's a hill I have been trying to climb for seven years! So, it feels pretty good to get over. <laughs> we will see you next time when we will be talking about The Near Future by I Fight Dragons. You mean so In the Near Future? We're going to be talking about In the Near Future? Yeah. But until then, this has been Analytical Fanboys Discuss Spock.